Hi, I want to welcome everyone back to Rocky Wave and I Methodist Podcast. I'm here with Paul. Paul, say hi to everyone. Hi to everyone. <laughs> As Paul is always in a, a joyful, uh, are you joyful right now? I don't know what makes you think that. <laughs> well, yes, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Welcome. Uh, good to be with you all. Yeah, so we're, um, again, we're always really happy and excited to do this podcast because um, our prayer is that it helps and strengthens your faith. Um, and and through this time of COVID, it's forced us to be creative. And I know I've been I've enjoyed it. Paul, you jo- enjoyed it? I, I have. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. there's a lot to like about that side of things. Um, even though we miss the the personal contact, right. and and certainly uh, the, the reason that uh, has prompted all of this is is nothing to be joyful about. Right. But the, yeah. the creativity side of things has has been yeah. fun and, and challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I really do miss seeing people. I miss seeing students. It's been really hard, um, but yeah, we've been creative to try to provide content um, and spiritual nourishment for people. Um, so yeah, we're going to be continuing our podcast on the kingdom of God, uh, and this is it's a two-part podcast, so this is the last part of it. Um, and we've just been looking at the kingdom of God, the expanse of it, um, the influence of it, how it affects our lives, and 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 also just in the context of of election and what government means and whatnot. Um, we as Christians, we adhere to Christ as King, and our highest allegiance is to um, Christ and His kingdom that He's building. Because eventually, all kingdoms come to an end; um, they all do, um, and it's Christ's kingdom that will last for eternity and be eternal. So that's the kingdom we want to invest in, um, and the king we want to worship is Christ. Um, so yeah, so that's that's part of the reason why we're doing this Kingdom of God podcast series, and um, Paul's going to start us off with one of the parables that he's been working on. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, Stephen was referencing the election as we sit here recording. Uh, everything's still kind of up in the air, it's still to be determined, and I think the the point of all of this was to help us uh, find some, some, uh, some frame of reference, some some common ground, and uh, some context with the election happening as the backdrop for this conversation about the kingdom of God. But I think the beauty of it, at the same time, is it really doesn't matter how the election plays out. Mm-hmm. Our part and our participation in our society and what it means mm-hmm. to be a a citizen of the United States uh, doesn't change for us as Christians because we belong to a higher order. Uh, We have an identity that uh, is rooted in something beyond this world and beyond this country. Uh, So certainly we all uh, all have a vested interest in in what's going on right now in in the election, Um, but hopefully a, a little bit of peace of mind that um, that ultimately what uh, we're about and, and mm-hmm. how we make our decisions, how we live, is uh, determined by something entirely separate from, from all of this uh, right. hoopla, right? Yeah, exactly. Go Ralph Nader. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to read too much into that, Stephen. Um, so our, our first parable for today is uh, a fairly brief one and a number of these parables are found in in Matthew 13. It's a great chapter to read if you're really parable hungry for whatever reason. Uh, But we've been hanging out a a fair amount in Matthew 13 and uh, this one is uh, often referred to as the parable of the hidden treasure and it is uh, a single verse long so I will read it for you. Matthew 13 verse 44 The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, 
When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Uh, so this is uh, more or less going to be a and uh, what they call it, an exegetical um, uh, reflection on the, the passage, on this single verse, which basically means we break it down bit by bit and stay very close uh, to the passage itself. Um, but hopefully at the end, we'll, we'll have pulled out some nugget of, uh, of truth and uh, value to apply to our role in the kingdom of God um, and, and understanding better how that intersects with the kingdoms, quote unquote, that we, we live within here on earth. Um, so this, this parable about the, the hidden treasure, most of my life I've approached it as if I was the man in uh, the story who was finding the treasure. Uh, so, you know, unless it's clearly um, dictated otherwise, we have this tendency, and I, I think it's a we, not just a me thing, but we have this tendency to think that we're the, the protagonist in all of Jesus' parables, right? It's all, it's always about us. We're the main character. And if so, then naturally the treasure, if we're reading it that way, the treasure must be Jesus and his kingdom. Once we find Jesus, we realize how valuable he is and, and we give up everything uh, to be with him. We, we sell everything, we buy the field, we get Jesus, um, and uh, everybody lives happily ever after, right? But there's actually another way of viewing this parable that I just learned this past week and a way that still makes it really all about us, but without forcing ourselves into the, the role of the main character. And honestly, after doing some research, uh, it seems to be the more popular, maybe even more likely option uh, as far as how to interpret this parable. In fact, I haven't told Stephen this yet, but I was about two-thirds of the way done writing this podcast, and uh, I just kept getting peppered with all of these um these interpretations from these scholars about this parable that were opposite of the way I was taking it. And I finally gave up. I threw in the towel and I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to start over. You've convinced me. I threw out what I had written and I started anew, um, really embracing this, this new perspective on it. Hmm. Um, so rather than playing the, the starring role in this, in this interpretation, we are the treasure we're not, we're not the man, we're not the person in the parable, we are the treasure. And by we, I mean Jesus' followers, uh, God's children, basically the church. We are the treasure. So uh, this parable is all about helping us appreciate how valuable we are to God. Uh, this theme actually shows up quite a bit in the parables, if we think about it. You know, whether we're the, the lost coin, uh, the lost sheep, the wayward son in, in those three parables, uh, the, the son returning to this grand celebration uh, thrown by his father or whether we're a hidden treasure uh, like we are in this parable. God is desperately in love with us and will stop at nothing to be in relationship with us. Uh, so that is really the, the underlying theme to this parable, viewing it the way that I'm proposing we do. So looking at this parable, that means that Jesus uh, gets to, to play the role of the man in the story. So Jesus, as it's written, Jesus enters the field, which in this case is the world. He discovers this incredible treasure, all of, of God's uh, beloved children. Now, the next part has, has always been puzzling to me, um, and, and it reads like this. When a man found it, found the treasure, he hid it again. 
He hid it again. Why would he hide the treasure again? When I used to see the man as me discovering the, the incredible gift that is Jesus in the kingdom, I could never make sense of, of this. What, what, what in the world uh, would I find Jesus for and then, and then go and hide him, lock him back in the treasure chest mm. and bury him uh, back underground again? It didn't make sense. But viewing the man as Jesus, celebrating the treasure that is his church, his followers, it, it now makes more sense to me. See, Jesus Jesus could have chosen to claim his treasure once finding us and, and bring us home, basically bring us to salvation uh, and glorify us right then and there. But instead, Jesus comes down to earth. He's, he's on his, his mission, his ministry. Instead of bringing, back, bringing us home with us in that moment, he chooses to rehide us. He, he conceals us, basically, once again, right there in the field in which he found us. Basically, God puts us back down in the field, which, remember, represents the world. And the people around us were, were concealed, were hidden, because the people around us are none the wiser uh, that we've been found, that we've been claimed, that we've been reborn and, and made new. We, we go right back to blending into society, but now as Christians, we, we've been transformed. So God hides us again uh, amidst the people of the world for a purpose. We have, we have a task to complete. There's more treasure, right, remaining in the field that has yet to be unearthed. And though we don't look any different, really, on the other side of uh, having been found by Jesus than the rest of the world, spiritually, we are completely transformed. Now, there was a, a time before we were found the first time, right? And uh, we were hidden, we were concealed, we blended right in, but for a different reason. Uh, before Jesus found us and claimed us as uh, his hidden treasure the first time, we were concealed and hidden in the world because we were no different than the world. We were, we were uh, just like everybody else. We, we lived for uh, all the wrong reasons. We had conformed to everything around us. Now we remain in the world. Jesus leaves us in the world, but having been claimed by Christ, we're no longer of the world. We no longer see ourselves as, as citizens of this world. Uh, rather, we're, we're members of God's kingdom. We are concealed in this world, secretly, secretly trying to, to win the world for the sake of the kingdom. And all of this is only possible, as the parable says, because Jesus has gone and bought the whole field. What does it mean for Jesus to, to buy the whole field? Well, realizing uh, finally the, the joy at long last of finally bringing redemption to this, this fallen world that God has been uh, bemoaning since the almost the beginning of time when sin entered the world. Jesus uh, pays the ultimate prize to purchase the field back, essentially, uh, by giving up his life on the cross. That's Jesus uh, buying the field. He gives his life. He, he sells everything, uh, like the man in the parable, gives his very life to claim uh, the entire field, uh, the world, and he sets it free from its former bondage. And now we are concealed in the world, uh, working on Jesus's behalf. So that's my, my breakdown. Uh, I, I won't even say my, like I already revealed, kind of stole that from a bunch of scholars who know a lot more than me. But um, the question is, what are our takeaways? Where do we go with all of this? If, if the goal is to sort through exactly what the kingdom of heaven is all about, that's the purpose of our, our little series here, I think this parable lays out really the most important principle that we need to know about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, before we learn anything else about God's kingdom, we need to understand that it's built entirely on the insatiable love that God has for his children. 
the man in the parable, we're told, sold all he had, not just to safely claim the treasure that he had already found, but for the possibility of finding even more treasure yet, unearthing more and more of, of his beloved children. God created us out of a, a desperate desire to have recipients upon which to heap all of his endless uh, supplies of love. Of course, when sin entered the world, this beautiful relationship he shared with us came crashing down. Uh, however, he has fought tirelessly ever since then throughout human history, right? Uh, to try to reclaim us, to, to rekindle that relationship. He's, he's uh, shown us grace upon grace. He's made sacrifice after sacrifice. He's established new covenant after new covenant after new covenant, all to reclaim his lost treasure. God will stop at nothing to bring us back home. We, we were once his before. We still belong to him. His love for us in, in the interim has never waned. And it's upon this reality that every other aspect about the, the kingdom uh, is built. So if you need to, to, to know one thing about the kingdom of God, it's, it's this. Uh, and it's illustrated beautifully by this parable that God wants to be in relationship with us because he loves us with a, a limitless and unconditional love and he'll stop at nothing to reclaim that relationship. So is there more that we can draw from this parable? Um, of course there is. There always is. Depends on how many layers you know you want to peel back of the onion, how crazy you want to get. But for me, speaking of crazy, I, I can't help but ponder looking at this parable. So if I don't get to be the man, I'm the treasure. Uh, what is life supposed to look like as a chest of hidden treasure, right? How can I make the most of this opportunity of being God's treasure? Because uh, I want to be the best darn treasure chest for God that I can possibly be, right? First of all, uh, imagine life, if you would, uh, just humor me, imagine life as a, a treasure chest that has yet to be found. Treasure is meant to be found, right? Nobody thinks about the treasure that's still buried in the ground somewhere, uh, full of potential, desperate to be claimed, yet sitting idle, you know, forgotten, unappreciated, without purpose. No, when we think about treasure, we'd much rather focus on that, that moment of elation in which the treasure is discovered. It's kind of like one of those uh, toys from uh, the movie Toy Story or, you know, all those movies, Toy Story, that, that sit in the closet for years on end waiting for their, their beloved child to come play with them or the ones that are still sitting in the, the toy store on the back of some shelf longing for the day when some child will lock eyes with them and, and deem them worthy of being purchased and bring them to their home. You know, I don't want to be the treasure that remains unclaimed uh, without a purpose, just sitting there blending in with my surroundings in, in the middle of the toy store on a shelf while I slowly, you know, decay and, uh, and drift away. As a treasure buried beneath the earth, the, the field that I'm buried in means nothing to me. It's just a, you know, tiresome backdrop to my meaningless day to day. What I long for is this, is this uh, piece of hidden treasure is the new life that I will have on the, the other side of being found. My every moment is motivated by the, the joy I will bring to the person who finds me. And if this is all true, then friends, we have already been found. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to be the forgotten toy on, on the shelf. Our purpose in life is no longer the, the, you know, the, the silly dump of a field we've been rotting beneath the surface of for all these years. We have a new identity. Things have changed. Uh, we don't go, want to go back to the way things were. Our citizenship now belongs to this new home which is awaiting us. We're not there yet. We're still in this world, but we're of a different world. And 
our, our driving force in life is to please the one who already uh, acted on our behalf was willing to give up everything to free us from this hole in the ground that we were living in and possess us for all eternity. So ultimately, friends, the kingdom of heaven is built upon the unwavering strength of God's love. Uh, but once recognized, once that treasure is unearthed and new life is injected into it, it cannot, we cannot return to life as we knew it previously. We can't just be a, a chunk of buried treasure that doesn't realize that it belongs elsewhere, that, that has an, an owner out there that loves it and wants to be in relationship with it. Buried treasure and claimed treasure look nothing alike. They are nothing alike. We can't confuse the two. We must emerge out of our hole that was life before God's kingdom and we must be different people. We must be new people. We must have a new identity and we must never look back. Uh, so that's my take on it. Apply that to uh, today's day and age, I, I think is pretty natural. Um, but understanding God's love is, is where it all starts, uh, but that changes us. We're not the buried treasure anymore. We have a new life and a new identity that we, we absolutely have to live into. And uh, that's that's enough of that. Stephen? <laughs> That's a good. That's a good way of looking at. It. I haven't. Um, I think I've looked at the parable the same way that you mentioned earlier. I haven't looked at it from the other perspective. Um, I know you looked at the parable parable as like you're the man. I mean, usually you go about life thinking you're the man all the time, Paul. But well done, um, <laughs> Steve. And I can't. I can't argue with that. But this week I was put in my place. Right. You know. Uh, but I'm not a man now. I guess I'm just a, a piece of buried treasure. Yes, that's even better. Yeah. A pearl. So. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that a lot. So my parable is also going to be from Matthew chapter 13. Um, it's going to be longer than Paul's parable by one verse. So, no. um, <laughs> so I'll read my parable and um, and then we'll discuss it um, and kind of uh, dig into it for a little bit. Um, so the parable I have is the parable of the mustard seed, um, and it gives a yet another perspective of the kingdom of God. So that parable is Matthew chapter thirteen, verses thirty-one through thirty-two, and it says, "He told them another parable: the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed." which a man took and planted in his field. Though it, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of, a garden, of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Again, I want to give a simple reminder of um, why Jesus used parables and used parables to relate truth, usually a spiritual truth, through intriguing stories and settings that will be familiar to people. Um, there are some practical reasons that Jesus would use parables because parables teach a concept or an idea by using word pictures, right? So we're, we're Paul had a word picture of a gym and I have a word picture of a, a mustard seed. By depicting concepts, um, by depicting concepts, the message is is readily um, the message isn't lost when it when it comes in word pictures, right? Um, it isn't lost with the cultural context or technology or word usage. If, if it's something that's literally uh, a literal detailed narrative, some, some things can be lost. But in a picture, um, it's much more translatable um, across generations, across cultures, and it's easier, easier for us to understand. Um, this approach also promotes practicing principles rather than um, the inflexible adherence to laws. So like... 
think of the Good Samaritan uh, when someone asks Jesus, um, who is my neighbor? What does it mean to love my neighbor? Jesus didn't answer with the law. He answered with a word picture. He answered with a setting and a story. And that just gives um, a better illustration. What does it mean to love your neighbor? And then Jesus says, well, this is what it means. Uh, with that, we just get a better understanding than just um, an inflexible uh, inherent to laws. So understanding any parable hinges upon a correction, a correct understanding of the key elements in the parable, just as Paul walked us through the parable of uh, the pearl. So having a key understanding of, of, the, of the elements. Um, so in this parable, there's the sower, the mustard seed, field, um, the growth of the mustard seed and the birds. So the sower, a man, represents Christ, and he is the planter, the one who starts everything. The field, again, is the world, so Christ is the one who plants the kingdom in the world. The mustard seed is the word of God, the words of the kingdom that is planted in the, wor in the world by Christ. While the mustard seed is planted, it begins to grow. The message of the kingdom begins to spread. Its growth represents the church and or the people of God or the, the spread of the kingdom of God. In the culture of the day, the mustard seed was often used proverbially um, for the smallest thing one can think of. But then it grows large enough for the birds to, um, to land on it. So the birds represent either the nations or peoples who take refuge in the kingdom of God. A tree whose branches offer a sanctuary for the birds was a familiar Old Testament symbol um, for a mighty kingdom which gives shelter to the nations. You see that the church should be a refuge for people, a refuge um, that people can go to and find safety, security, and ultimately find love of the people within the church. The tree represents earthly greatness and the refuge for the nations, as I mentioned. The tiny mustard seed is growing to be a tree which symbolizes Jesus offering refuge in life in God's kingdom. Jesus appointed, so think of again, like the kingdom of God started off really small like a mustard seed, and then it begins to grow. So Jesus appointed 12 apostles and, and a handful of other followers. He lived and died in what was considered a backwater providence of the Roman Empire. So Jerusalem and the area around Jerusalem wasn't it was important to the Romans, but it was not as important as it is in today's age where we have a lot of focus on the Middle East. But back then, I mean, Jerusalem wasn't the biggest city. Um, and Nazareth, where Jesus grew up and where he was from, that was a backwater town. So um, it starts from this backwater providence in the, in, the, in the Roman Empire. And he is, Jesus is mentioned only in passing in secular historical sources of that time. But since the time of Christ's ministry, death, resurrection, and his ascension, the kingdom of God has been steadily growing. This theme of planting and growth is continued in Paul's letters. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-9, through 9, he says, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you, come, through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to us each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has, but God has been making it grow. 
So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and that each would be warded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So again, this, this, this idea of planting, um, Jesus plants the words of God into the world, uh, but we are also called to plant God's words into other individuals um, so that the word of God can spread within them and, and which, can also, which expands the kingdom of God, which grows the kingdom um, which, as it continues to develop. In, the, in our lives and in other individuals' lives, we um, expand the growth of the kingdom. So this parable is about the massive reach and the expanse of the kingdom of God. We must think of the kingdom of God not just from a local church perspective, but a global and generational movement, uh, and a movement that will last for eternity. Um, the kingdom needs to be um, seen larger, needs to be have a large place in our personal lives, but also a large place in, in our public life and what we do and how we think and how we act. Um, the kingdom of God should be the predominant um, viewpoint that we carry and, and how we love other people and what we believe and, and what we say and how we think. All those things um, with the mindset of how can I grow God's kingdom among the people who, uh, among my circle of influence, among um, those who I have um, contact with and or communication or relationship with uh, again so this parable just again talks about the expanse of the kingdom of God starting off so small as a mustard seed and growing so large that people can take refuge in it and I, I guess it leaves us with the question um, are, are, do, do people feel safe being a refuge around us right is, is our church being a refuge to the hurting um, and, and asking those questions um, and seeing, are we living out the kingdom of God and are people feeling safe and welcomed as we live um, a completely counterculture um, sort of kingdom, um, the kingdom where which Christ is king. So I just I really love this parable. Um, I think it has a lot to say for us. And, and uh, I think... Paul, do you have something for us? You have your, you have a little children's Bible out there, and I, don't <laughs> I just wanted to have, you know, pictures to go along <laughs> right, with the right. story you were reading. As I'm talking, he's <laughs> looking through pictures, so of course, uh, right? Yeah, no, this is the um, the adventure Bible that I think some of our young folks in the church have. I just wanted yeah. to have the text in front of me, but I was um, interested by the analogy of the kingdom of heaven being a tree. And I think, you know, mustard seed obviously is the, it, it's uh, from where it begins to what it grows into is the, right. the largest uh, right. transformation. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why Jesus leaned into it. And that's, uh, yeah. and it sounds like that was, you said that was a, an analogy that was used mm -hmm. in other areas of society. Yeah. Anything they wanted to talk about, this is really small, yeah. uh, something that's really small, minuscule, they, they went to the mustard seed. But right. I, I love the image of the kingdom of God like a tree right. and especially a tree that like has no limits to its growth um, and I think what sets the kingdom of, of heaven apart from any other entity or concept in, in creation or in this world is that it that it has no limits and right. it can grow exponentially and it, yeah. it can be contagious and it does draw people in yeah. because there's a power to it. There's a yeah. life within that, you know, that kind of runs through the veins of that tree 
that yeah. is is more contagious and does yeah. draw people in uh, in a way that nothing else in our society can offer. You yeah. know, so I, yeah. I love this image of the the mustard seed just grew, continuing right. to grow and becoming this monster of a tree that right. eventually takes over the whole world and yeah. you know birds and um, you know everything else is coming and perching on it and and right. uh, resting under its shade. Um, to me, the, the kind of organic, I, I, I use that word a lot, um, probably maybe in contexts that it doesn't make sense. There's something <laughs> about the word organic that I like because it, uh, it, things that happen right naturally just have to take on a life of their own. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the kingdom of God is supposed to be, supposed to look like. Right. And, and, and it hints back to, when you keep mentioning a tree, it hints back to um, the garden and the tree of life and, and the... Um, that that vision or that picture of, of a tree in the middle of the garden which life flows from and really it, this is if anyone wants to do a study um, there trees matter of fact I listened to a podcast uh, Bible project they did a podcast on trees in the Bible it's pretty mm-hmm. fascinating because you trees appear a lot um, throughout the Bible um, and, and they have this um, metaphor of growth and steadiness and strength and um new life and um so it's just really intriguing but again it's hinting back again to the garden um as really all scriptures working back towards that picture of the garden again um and and i would argue that's what most of the bible is about god um in a broken world god is saving um, offering salvation and, and, and then has this picture of a new garden being remade again. Um, and that's the picture uh, of, of how heaven's going to be like. Heaven on earth um, is this picture of a garden. So it, it just hints back to that. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I think it's a great, great parable. So um, wrapping this up, um, thank everyone for listening. I'm Really excited about what we have coming up next. We have a couple of interviews coming up next. Um, as again, the theme of our church is what, Paul? Uh, it's all about the story. Great, Steven. great. Just making sure Paul knows what the theme of the church is. <laughs> Appreciate that. So yeah, it's all yeah. about the story. So we're going to be um, listening to some stories from different individuals here at the church, and I'm really pumped about that. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then we'll. I think we might have another special from Matthew Dolan playing the piano, um, and then we have an Advent study coming up. So that's kind of a kind of our schedule a little bit. So um, just give you a heads up. And again, thank everyone for listening. Um, reminder that we have 8:30 parking lot service, a 10 o'clock in-person service, and 11:30 in-person. You can watch streaming in Wesley Hall, or you can watch it at home streaming as well. Um, and again, to remind you that Sunday school for both youth and children is open now. So if uh, any kids or youth want to come, be more than happy um, to have them back. So any last words, Paul? That sounds weird. Any last words? So. <laughs> last words, yes. <laughs> uh, wow. It's a lot of pressure. Um, get out there and vote, everyone. All right. Paul, voting's already passed. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, never mind. Forget Jeez, that. Jesus, guy. Pray. Just pray. <laughs> just pray. <yeah. laughs> you put me on the spot. Right. Man. That's the best I can come up with. No, thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Um, and uh, this, is, this has been a fun study, and we'll get some new voices on in the next couple of weeks. Keep an eye to uh, the church website right. as well. We know that the pandemic uh, – 
has a mind of its own and and it keeps ebbing and and uh, flowing. Does that right. mean ups and downs? I think yeah, ebbing and flowing and and uh, more up than than down lately. So um, just keep an eye to the website yeah. in case there are changes to some of the uh, the offerings here at the church. Um, if uh, we go purple or or something of the sort. So yeah. uh, a reminder to do that. And uh, with that being said, uh, blessings to your family. Stay healthy. Stay well. Uh, stay connected and right. uh, stay stay uh, intentional in your faith walk. Yep, and bye everyone. See you next time. <laughs>